Okay, so today we're going to complete session 105. We started last week, went through session or question 11 or 12, and this is Law of One, session 105, the second to the end, received October 19, 1983. The next session, which is 106, which is the last of all, um, was uh, conducted about five months after this session 106, so there's a five-month delay, and where I'm already seeing indications that Ra is um, aware that of the probability vortex or the probability or possibility that the Ra contacts are on their way to completion uh, imminently, and at the end of session 104, Ra's final comments at 104.26, just to repeat for your consideration, uh, they said, we leave you in appreciation of the circumstances of the great illusion in which you now choose to play the pipe and timbrel and move in rhythm. We are also players upon a stage. The stage changes the acts ring down, the lights come up once again. And throughout the grand illusion and the following and the following, there is the ungirding majesty, undergirding majesty of the one infinite creator. All is well. Nothing is lost. Go forth rejoicing in the love and the light, the peace and the power of the one infinite creator. I am Ra, Adonai. And it looked pretty clear to me that they are um, aware to some degree that uh, a few more sessions and it's over. And this is a perspective I think that we do need to keep that, yeah, we are uh, players on a stage of a great illusion. The illusion is not exactly that what we experience is not real. It's just that uh, we experience a tiny portion of reality or creation and to this experience um, uh, that the physical is all we can determine <clears throat> consensus reality that we seem to be be you know individual beings in a body is what the way it seems um, with a very limited awareness in the physical world or the physical universe only or in a universe that's physical only that's the illusion because creation is not physical only and we are not quite in this body um, we're greater than uh, this physical illusion in totality higher dimensional life or higher self <clears throat> is um, non-material uh, you can say it uses material body and experiences the physical world and Ra will comment on that a little bit in some of the exchanges that we're going to go into here at the end of 105 but <clears throat> this perspective, keeping the big view um, is really important particularly now, like as I said that I think we're in the darkest time of um, humanity's um, experience in third density in the sense that negativity really is stronger than ever before. <clears throat> Meanwhile,
positivity or um, the dawning of love and light, meaning wisdom and clarity, truth-seeking and honesty and revelation, and love and kindness and understanding and appreciation of uh, good heart is greater than ever before, too. So, uh, and that Ra had said in a much earlier session that in the short run we'll see an increase in polarity on both sides. So, more people um, knowing love, light, or um, goodwill and honesty and truth-seeking committed to that even further, even greater than ever before, and the negativity greater than ever before, too. And that's what's going on. So, but the big view is that we're going to die, but we don't die. (laughs) We're going to leave here and go somewhere else. And the lights come up again. And so, uh, this life is temporary, but our being is eternal. And our being is greater than this material world as a whole. And this is um, a particular um, training, testing, challenging time to be in body. The purpose of incarnation is evolution of mind-body-spirit, Ra said. And um, when moving out of the body is appropriate, or the time of so-called death happens uh, at the end of the physical, um, we go to another dimension, depending on our mind and our evolution, and continue our learning there. And it's as simple as that. And um, those that have no doubt about that have a certain peace and clarity and wellness, and those that don't, don't. Yet we can. And so uh, one can get clearer on on unprovable metaphysics, completely unprovable uh, metaphysical realities. One can get quite clear on them all, if you wish. But one has to surrender uh, the thinking-thinking mind because it isn't the thinking-thinking mind that'll get to that realization or see clearly, uh, but the mind that is quiet and aware and attentive and alert um, that's when clarity to metaphysical reality comes and that requires mind training which normally happens through meditation and that can't be done well when our life is disordered or the mind and emotional life is disordered so when the mind and the feelings are disordered or our relationships and our life is disordered which means not well ordered or in a condition that's not comfortable, it's hard to do meditation. <laughs> and when those, when the life is well-ordered and the relationships are well-ordered and physical health is good enough and um, our sense of self is healthy and um, realistic and uh, love-wisdom-based enough, then meditation's not as hard as it was before. Then clarity will come. But that's important. <laughs> And thinking, thinking, thinking is not the way to clarity and peace and and knowing that this is an illusion or, or a clear seeing the big picture, which is raw. what Ra said, the physical and the metaphysical are inseparable. Take it to the bank. The physical and the in- metaphysical are inseparable. Critical teaching, critical teaching. But it won't be known unless one has realization or the mind is clear and quiet and peaceful and well enough to see. Uh, when that comes, one knows, and doubt is gone and doesn't come back. So 105.12, 
we're going to go through a number of more personal questions. Don said, I have come to the conclusion that the meeting of the hawk that we had about a year ago when we started to move, started to move the first time was or had to do with the non-benign nature in the metaphysical sense of the house which I had picked for the move. If it isn't a problem with the law of confusion, I think that it would be philosophically interesting to know if I'm correct with respect to that. Meaning, he's coming to now understand that there wasn't a warning from the uh, appearance of a hawk um, in relation to moving to the other house that they didn't move to, which he previously had thought was a bad sign. Now he seems to understand it was not. And Ra answers, What bird comes to affirm for Ra? What bird would be chosen to warn? We ask the questioner to ponder these queries. And this is also in line, again, (laughs) many metaphysical principles can be teased out here. Number one, it looks to me like Don's condition, as they've said, is um, more disordered or unwell, complicated, um, a bit self-tangled than before. The way of a clear teacher seeing that when a student with such mind asks questions is to help simplify. So rather than give a long discourse, Ra gives a very short answer, which basically helps a busy or complicated mind um, settle down to uh, non-complexity to focus um, on uh, a small area for consideration being um, the two types of birds that could be chosen for the two types of messaging or messages affirmation versus warning Uh, and that's a very critical determination when we talk about synchronicity there is the synchronicity that affirms and supports and encourages and there's the synchronicity that warns or dissuades or um, pauses, leads us to pause or possibly abort an activity. So we're on our way somewhere and the motorbike breaks down. Is that a warning that it's better not for me to go there? Or is it an affirmation (laughs) that um, I'm on the right path and the negatives are giving me obstruction and resistance and you know, you only know you're over the target when you're taking flak. So the motor brake takes down and somebody says, ah, you see, I'm being attacked. It's really, really important that I go because all these negatives are stopping me from getting to that place. Or is it a warning? Um, hard to call. And um, one can know. But <laughs> the question is, can we know? Uh, can you know? Do we know? Um, one needs to be clear. And um, who can say who's clear? even people who think they're clear may not be and people may be more clear than they realize that's also true so Ra is suggesting that Don consider the types of birds that could be used for synchronistic um, message sending and um, they came to understand that the hawk was a bird affirming not warning meanwhile if it had been a crow or a black, evil kind of scary-looking bird that looks like he wants to eat you, uh, or a vulture. That might be a bird chosen to warn. 
And so, yeah, one needs to look into the symbolism, the kind of um, objective symbolism, like you can find in some dictionary encyclopedia of symbols, but go beyond that to consider for yourself how does it feel and what's what's the deeper what's my own understanding of the deeper meaning of this uh, signifier or synchronicity <clears throat> and sometimes it doesn't mean anything <clears throat> sometimes the motorbike just broke down that's another one without metaphysical import without metaphysical basis so <laughs> there's a lot to look at and um you know, the deep mind finds um, a lot of meaning. 105.13, Don changes direction, says, We have been, you might say, experimentally determining determining a lot of things about the body, the next portion of the tarot, and have been experiencing some of the feedback effects, I might say, between the mind and the body. I sense from everything that we've done so far with respect to these effects that the great value of the third density, yellow ray body at this time is as a device that feeds back catalyst to a mind to create the polarization. I would say that this is the major value of the third density body here and would ask Ra if initially when the mind-body-spirit, not the mind-body-spirit complex, but the mind-body-spirit, meaning before veiling, was designed for third density experience, if this was the major use of the yellow ray body, and if not, what was the purpose of the yellow ray body? Again, Ra gives a very calm-down type short answer. Don's question is looking into the purpose of embodiment. Very deep question. The purpose of a physical vehicle. The purpose of a physical embodiment as a vehicle for mind-spirit, as an anchor uh, into a dimension in space-time. What's the purpose of that? And he's saying that um, the value is as a device or the purpose of uh, 3D embodiment anchoring into space-time as a device, which is a mechanistic view that's limited, that feeds back catalyst or provides catalyst to mind um, for creating polarization. Now, of course, the mind, you know, it's your will that creates polarization. Even the mind itself is not you, it's a vehicle you use. The sub-sub-logos, higher self, Atman, is, um, is a focusing of intelligent infinity, or intelligent energy. It's, it's a kind of um, Godhead stand-in. Self is a stand-in uh, for Godhead. Oh, <laughs> big bird. And it's not that the body makes polarization. It's not that catalyst makes polarization. It's not that the mind makes polarization. You make polarization. What is the you? <laughs> Figure it out. Discover for yourself. But everything we're, we're experiencing, our products are experienced through vehicles. The body is a physical body is a vehicle. Mind complex and consciousness are vehicles. Even the spirit complex is a vehicle too. And who is the one that uses that? Or who is the one that speaks? Who are you who speaks and knows? If you know that one, like Lin Chi said, the true man without rank, you'll know that that uh, you are not the vehicles. And um, that's a very critical thing. But in practice, it takes a quiet mind or a peaceful heart 
or self-understanding, what we call self-understanding, to come to that greater realization that, you know, I am that I am. Tattvamasi. And it, it, Hindu, under, Hindu mystics know that, and Gautama know about that. That's the teaching of anatta, no self. It really is the true self or true beingness or your real identity is not the vehicle, <laughs> not the five skandhas or not the constituents of the self, sense of self. And so, uh, who creates polarization? We do by mind's response to catalyst. And the catalyst is born of body, mind, spirit, but it's the mind and the, the particular use of the will that creates, cat, that creates polarization. Ra <laughs> gives an answer and says, The description which began your query, meaning of the early part, is suitable for the function of the mind-body-spirit or the mind-body-spirit complex. The position in creation of physical manifestation changed not one whit when the veil of forgetting was dropped. Dropped doesn't mean left, uh, doesn't mean removed, it means in, uh, instituted or put down over the mind. So when the veil of forgetting began and my body spirits became my body spirit complexes, the mind became complex. The archetypal basis went from three to seven, right? From matrix potentiator and significator as the only archetypal basis of each complex body-mind-spirit, mind-body-spirit, went from those three to seven, which is what we have now, 21, that's the complexification or complication of mind-body-spirit, becoming mind-body-spirit complex. And yet, the position, the role, the function of creation, the, the, the position or the role of physical manifestation in the creation, meaning what is the purpose of physicality? And again, <laughs> there's a long discussion, and um, I won't go on and on because I know we need, go, need to get through the questions here, but what is the purpose of physicality? And Ra had said that it's, a <clears throat> it's an apparent structure for experience and polarization, something like that, that the illusion of physicality or the experience of physicality, which is illusory or insubstantial, in essence, essentially, apparently real and essentially insubstantial, yet um, is a very valuable, um, is a very valuable apparent outer structure in which the apparent inner doer may transform itself, its own nature. And that's basically working on the vehicles. Are you working on yourself, or are you working on the vehicles? <laughs> right? The seven chakras, mind-body-spirit complex, mind-body-spirit complex, higher self, seventh density, are they not all vehicles? Vehicles of who? Vehicles of you. Who is you? You isn't the vehicle. You, you is the source. And that can go to psychosis and grandiosity or not. But that's really what we're talking about here. And so... The position and creation of physical manifestation, the purpose for which there is physical manifestation, changed not one whit, not a bit, with the institution of the veil in mind. And again, um, you can say that physicality or space-time provides a an apparently environmental um, structure for experience, which itself is the usage of catalyst for self-transformation, 
via polarization. 105.14, Don goes on. Then the yellow ray from the ver- the yellow ray body from the very beginning was designed as what Ra has called an atanor for the mind, a device, you might say, to accelerate the evolution of the mind, which is a brilliant in- insight, it seems to me. Is it correct? Ra said, it is perhaps more accurate to note that the yellow ray physical vehicle is a necessity without which the mind-body-spirit complex cannot pursue evolution at any pace. <coughs> and so that's also a kind of a heavy statement that without um, 3D space-time, there's no evolution for the mind-body-spirit complex. Now, the unveiled mind-body-spirit may not need 3D yellow ray uh, space-time experience or a vehicle. Um, And there are beings like angels that don't necessarily all, don't (laughs) normally have yellow ray physical vehicles. But they're not mind-body-spirit complexes. They're not complex. There's no veil or forgetting for them or they know what they know but they're not confused and they don't choose and so it gets very subtle here but for the beingness called mind body spirit complex which is us seven chakras seven energy fields mind bo- you know uh, uh, the the structure of our beingness as sevenfold with um a lower, middle, and upper, or uh, anchoring, or need for vehicle body, need for a, a an incarnate vehicle, or a space-time vehicle, uh, and consciousness with its perception and in thought form, thought form making functions, with <clears throat> a an, a resource called spirit complex or, you know, like akin to the seventh density totality complex, that triadic structure, for that triadic structure when veiled, uh, a yellow ray physical body is essential. It can't, you can't, it, it, that sevenfold, uh, sevenfold manifestation uh, of the triad, sevenfold triadic or triadic sevenfold manifest beingness needs 3D space-time evolution as a portion of its seven to uh, pursue evolution. So fast or slow, the logoic creation called the mind-body-spirit beingness or mind-body-spirit complex uh, beingness needs a 3D body as a portion of its seven, seven lights development. Okay. 105.15 Don explains or tries to uh, clarify, says, then you are saying that the evolution of that portion of the individual that is not yellow ray is not possible without the clothing at intervals in the yellow ray body, is it correct? Ra said, no. So then we'll see what Ra really means. 105.16, Don goes on. Would you clear up my thinking on that? I don't quite understand. Understand your statement. And Ra gives the teaching here. Ra said, each mind, body, spirit or a mind-body-spirit complex, right, before the veil and after the veil, without, with veil, has an existence simultaneous with that of creation. 
it is not dependent upon any physical vehicle. However, <clears throat> in order to evolve, change, learn, and manifest the Creator, the physical vehicles appropriate to each density are necessary. Your query implied that physical vehicles accelerated growth. The more accurate description is that they permit growth. <laughs> and so, you know, we really are at the end of the sessions here, and um, Ra gives very refined teachings ref that, that are refining much earlier teachings that were pretty deep to begin with. And so, <clears throat> whether the, the triadic sevenfold beingness, triadic meaning based of free will and love and light, based in a mind-body-spirit, veiled or unveiled, and a higher self, and a seventh density resource or totality complex, that triadic sevenfold expression, seven chakras, seven energy vehicles, seven levels of, seven rays of intelligent energy manifest, that triadic sevenfold beingness, veiled or unveiled in third density, unveiled called my body spirit, veiled called my body spirit complex, um, is one with all. <laughs> its existence, its ontological essential nature, true nature, its reality as is, is uh, at one with totality. You are infinity. Infinity is, all is infinity. <laughs> this is the law of one. Right? Talking not about two and one, but reality. So two is an illusion, block, you know, uh, keeping us from understanding one. Talk about two and one is itself illusory um, prior to realization of infinity, which is boundlessness, mysterium, inconceivability. It's uh, totality and nothingness as one, all and nothing. What is infinity, right? <laughs> Think about that. <clears throat> it can't be thought, or it can be thought, but the thought is not infinity, because thought is finite. But that's what Ra is saying here, it seems to me. <laughs> the triadic sevenfold beingness, veiled or unveiled, is, at, is the creation. Its existence, its true nature, its true identity, or ontological essence, is not out of time, or is not in time, it's beyond time, it's trans-temporal, it's trans-spatial. Trans-temporal, trans-spatial means not in time, not out of time. <coughs> this is seventh chakra working, by the way, six, seventh, and uh, one can feel it. Uh, <coughs> you know, th this, this mind is not... Um, capable of vibrating at infinity, nor is the mind-body-spirit complex, but the totality of the octavic self can. Uh, that's what Ra means. Its true nature is um, of infinity, which is creation. Creation is the finite, the infinite appearing as finite. Okay? So that is the law of one that you are the infinite, you are infinity appearing as the finite. <clears throat> that is not dependent on a physical vehicle, right. <laughs> but 
in order to evolve the physical vehicle and the triadic seven-dimensional vehicle called my body spirit complex higher self and the totality uh, resource of seventh density that vehicle that's called the octavic vehicle in order to evolve and change and learn and manifest infinity through those vehicles including the physical vehicle um, there are there is embodiment in space-time at uh, various levels and so uh, physical vehicles appropriate to each density are necessary so when when you're a rock be a rock you know when you're not a rock don't be a rock oh by the way if you look at the movie Easy Rider you'll see Jack Nicholson explaining the UFO cover-up uh, very clearly if you go to YouTube uh, maybe I'll remember this to put on the link. Uh, there's a YouTube video. I think I shared it with the group. Uh, Jack Nicholson explains the last 70 years of history. <laughs> Somebody who wrote that movie knew about the UFO cover-up. And he even talks about our friend Val Thor, the Venusian at the Pentagram, or Pentagon. And um, <clears throat> don't forget the space brothers and sisters are still here. Don't forget. Uh, so, yes... Uh, physical vehicles are necessary to develop the totality of the um, the seven-dimensional vehicles of the Creator, which is called you, um, or is it taken as a separate self, which it isn't, but um, for growth of the uh, vehicles of, the, you know, the apparent finity, the, the you know, the, the the time-space-bound vehicles of the Logos called the Triadic Sevenfold Self or My Body Spirit Complex or My Body Spirit or the Threefold Octave Self for its development um, physical, vehicular incarnative experience is necessary um, at these various levels, you know, up the dimensional levels, pretty much two through six <clears throat> and so but Ra is saying it's not really that physical vehicle accelerates growth. They permit growth, meaning there isn't growth of that dimensional vehicle without it. And so the sevenfold octavic self, or the vehicles, the sevenfold, you see, because this is really what we're talking about, you know. Is it a self, or are there vehicles of the creator? Of course, they're vehicles of the creator, but they're taken as a self. Uh, for their development, um, each ray must be developed. The seven to develop the seven rays of infinity, which are the infinite appearing as finite, um, each needs to be developed, and it's particularly the development of the vehicles of the seven rays, which is this you know octave self or octave, you know the octave self is not a self; it's the vehicles of of Godhead itself or the one infinite creator. To develop that sevenfold so-called self, or the vehicles, incarnation and space-time vehicles are needed at each of the levels. It seems like that's what they're saying. So they permit growth. So you can't uh, develop seven-dimensional seven vehicles without seven-dimensional incarnation. Something like that. <laughs> 105.17, if everybody's still alive. Now, as an example, Don goes on, I would like to take the distortion of a disease or bodily malfunction prior to the veil and compare it to that after the veil. Let us assume that the conditions for Jim, 
for instance, experience with respect to his kidney malfunction had been an experience that occurred prior to the veil. Would this experience have occurred prior to the veil? Good question. Would it have been different? If so, how? Ross said, the anger of separation is impossible without the veil. The lack of awareness of the body's need for liquid is unlikely without the veil. The decision to contemplate perfection in discipline is quite improbable without the veil. <clears throat> so, before the veil or without the veil, and we can um, apply this somewhat to higher dimensional life, positive and negative, actually, because there's no veil in fourth, fifth, sixth density. Uh, without the veil is higher dimensional. Before the veil is the condition of mind, body, spirit. Without the veil, no veil. Uh, there is unlikely, there's the difference now here between impossible and Im unlikely and improbable. <laughs> they really have special meanings here. So what is completely impossible is anger associated with uh, separativeness. Anger of separation. You can say that anger per se is of separation. There is no anger that's not of separation. It's separative. It's divisive. So that is not possible at all, before the veil or without the veil. But the negatives, 4D negative, are a little different, so that's just a special case. They manifest anger, but it's not quite the same. But <coughs> it's anger. <laughs> but meaning 4D negative, I'm sure they're angry. They're called ashuras, they're angry. But um, before the veil, or in higher positive dimensions without the veil, anger doesn't arise at all, period. Uh, impossible, not possible. Then, lack of awareness of body's need for liquid. Um, that lack of awareness is not likely. It's possible, but not likely, before the veil. Meaning, before the veil, um, beings are aware of uh, body needs, <laughs> or the vehicle's condition, and what it needs. Then, this decision to contemplate perfection in discipline, which is what Jim did <clears throat> that caused uh, that it was sort of the the ascetic practice or his hard training or his um, renunciate practice of that time was from a decision to contemplate perfection and discipline meaning um, applying self-discipline to better realize perfection to better you know and that is a question do you perfect yourself or do you just know perfection better is 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 um, what is changed? This is very. <laughs> I can't get into it, but in meditation, in samadhi, one can know that um, it's not that objects are changed, but perception is changed, uh, as perceived, so experienced, <clears throat> and uh, health unhealthy, balanced unbalanced, imbalanced, distorted non distorted. Is it an objective change, or is it a change of mind? It's actually really a change of mind. And as perceived or mentally conceived and known, so experienced, the outer is made by the inner. <coughs> um, the objective is subjective. <laughs> there is no objective uh, separate from subjective. And so uh, his practice of that time, which was certainly highly disciplined, that led to the body having a need for liquid that he didn't take care of, 
that was associated with anger, or his anger was the basis of the decision to do those practices at that time. <clears throat> um, was he perfecting himself, or was he coming to know perfection better? Is there a difference? Knowing perfection now, is that self-perfection? Or what? <laughs> what is perfection? What is perfecting? <clears throat> what is transformation? So, uh, is, is something transformed, or is awareness transformed and known? And then we presume that the thing has been transformed. So, but without the veil, <clears throat> there wouldn't, it's not likely, improbable, not probable, that there'd be a decision to contemplate perfection and discipline because there would be awareness of perfection um, uh, continually without the veil. <coughs> 105.18. Don goes on. Now, I would like to then, he just, just moves to the next question. I would like to then examine a sample, shall we say, bodily distortion prior to the veil and how it, how it would affect the mind. Could Ra give an example of that, please? Ra, it really, Don doesn't seem very well here. And Ra says, the general area, this general area has been covered. We shall recapitulate here. And here we get some interesting, pretty, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that was volume four in the old days, before there was a volume five, that um, <coughs> those brave souls who ventured into the volume four uh, before the internet found <laughs> very difficult. Ra explains, the patterns of illness, disease, and death are a benignant, benignant domain, and this was lands held in one's own power, so a benignant, benignant domain <laughs> means a benign um, ownership within the plan of incarnational experience. As such, some healing would occur by decision of mind-body spirits, and incarnations were experienced with the normal ending of illness to death, accepted as such, since without the veil, it is clear that the mind-body spirit continues. And this is, again, recapitulating, explaining the condition in 3D before a veil. Thusly, the experiences, both good and bad, are joyful and sad, of the mind-body-spirit before veiling would be pale, without vibrancy, or the keen edge of interest that such brings in the post-veiling mind-body-spirit complex. Okay. So, Don was asking a question he had asked a while ago about the condition of bodily distortion, is there any, prior to the veil, how it affects the mind, um, basically how mind before the, the unveiled mind in 3D reacts to bodily illness. The, the, the mind in 3D before the veil, called mind-body-spirit, or the beingness is called a mind-body-spirit, not complex, unveiled, how does that mind or the being, that being's mind react to illness before the veil? And Ra was really saying that <clears throat> there are there is the normal uh, old age sickness and death, as the Buddhists say, uh, still happening to 3D bodies and 3D beings before the veil. That's the normal pattern of illness, disease, and death, or a benignant or benign domain, this, this demesne 
is the root of the word domain. And domain, the spelling, D-O-M-A-I-N, came from the French, it seems, or you know, early French, late French. <clears throat> a, a lands held in one's own power, domain. Manor house, adjoining lands, occupation of the owner, grounds belonging to a residence, any region over which sovereignty is exercised, a domain. So, a benign domain <laughs> is a portion of um, our uh, own uh, expected, understood experience as entities here now in 3D. <clears throat> it's, owner, it's understood, it's not problematic from the higher level that uh, old age, sickness, and death happens to all bodies here and happens to us in these bodies here. Illness, disease, and death are well understood and are necessary to end the incarnation. We're not supposed to be here forever, you know. <clears throat> and um, that's well appreciated, benign, not scary. You know, death is the great enemy. Rail, rail against the dying of the light. You know, distorted humans fighting death. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's sad. But it's uh, God's will and plan that we knew before we became so confused. Uh, so it's in the plan of an incarnational experience, it's understood, it's benign. Therefore, um, <clears throat> because my body spirits before the veil also got old age, sickness, and death, it could happen then that some healing they would choose by themselves. They would choose to do some healing on their bodies as they moved into old age and sickness. Uh, incarnations also were experienced with the normal ending of illness to death, so they had that too. It was accepted by them because uh, without the veil, before veiling, <clears throat> they knew they continued, and we can know it too. Without the veil, it's clear, my body spirit continues. You continue. You go on. We go on. Right? Beingness is. And this is just a temporary uh, attachment <laughs> to a 3D space-time body. It is absolutely, totally doable to be rock-solid knowing that. <clears throat> One of my good friends, who I interviewed in From Elsewhere, said that his understanding of himself as a wanderer was more real to him than the body around his mind. More real to him than the body um, he's looking at in front of him, his own body. Uh, the reality that he's from elsewhere <clears throat> was, was absolutely rock-solid, real truth for him. And we can get to that clarity too, you know? <laughs> it's more available than ever before. That's why the negatives are freaking out and doing their thing, <clears throat> acting all freaky-deaky all the time, and um, basically, you know, pissing and shitting on themselves, because after they die, most of them will go to hell. They really will. It's no joke. <laughs> they really will end in the lower astral. And they're just, just soiling themselves repeatedly. Lots of people in the society are. Meanwhile, <clears throat> the love light is, is more available than ever before. <clears throat> the light is brighter than ever before, if you hadn't noticed. You know, you want love light? <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> it's in you, it is you. You can know it better than ever before. Really. <clears throat> and that's one reason that they're acting, they're, they're continually soiling themselves, because they can't handle truth. You can't handle the truth. Indeed, they can't. They know it. it. takes one to know one. And so, because they have so much pain, actually, and um, they go from pain to pain, 
and um, after they die, they'll go to further pain. Gehana. So, Niraya. It's really a problem. <clears throat> if you knew you were going into hell and deep pain and suffering in 20, 40, 60 years, probably not 60, but for them 30, 20, 30, 40, and you're going to go into this terrible torment, don't you think you'd be a little crazy too? Yeah, I think so. This is no joke. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. Go right ahead. <clears throat> Thusly, so without the veil, they knew, we knew, we can know now, we continue. Thusly, all experiences, good and bad, joyful and sad, would pale, or at that time, <laughs> or now, um, one can get not so upset. But at that time, because they, you see, being free of emotional charge is a good thing with evolution. But without evolution, <laughs> without transformation, and not having emotional charge, meaning no vibrancy or keen edge of interest uh, of sickness, of old age, sickness, and death, in the prevailed condition, um, they didn't evolve. They didn't feel much. It didn't mean they didn't get sick. They didn't really worry about death, aging and death, because they knew they continued. They saw the other side. But they weren't evolving. Here, where there's the veiled condition, uh, beings don't know they will continue <laughs> and feel, oh my God, you only live once, one life to live, um, and um, separation is, you know, the eternal, eternal termination of my existence or yours or our relationship, which is not true at all, but they think it is. And under such illusion or with such confusion under the veil, real work can be done, like acceptance or control, polarization. But of course, Orion knows the game too, and they help people go around in circles and um, tangle themselves up further. So the problem was, before the veiling, uh, knowing that beings continue and that illness is not such a problem, because we've got to get out of here anyway, but I'm going to an even better place, and life is eternal, and uh, I am. Knowing all that... Um, they didn't have such vibrancy or keen edge of interest. They were apathetic. They were spiritually apathetic. That's the problem. And so <clears throat> now it's not quite like that. Now we have a different problem, <laughs> which is called uh, e eternal cells, 3D souls repeating. 105.19. Don goes on. At the end of incarnation, before veiling, did the entity appear physically to have aged, say like entities at the normal end of incarnation in our present illusion, did they? Were they wrinkled and old? Did they? Did the significator look like that? <laughs> Not the significator, it's the body. Ra said, the significator of mind, body, or spirit is a portion of the archetypical mind and looks as each envisions such to appear. That's a little different. The body of a mind, body, spirit before veiling showed all the signs of aging which acquaint you now with the process leading to the removal from third density incarnation of the mind, body, spirit complex. It is well to recall that the difference betwixt mind-body-spirits before veil and mind-body-spirit complexes after veil is a forgetting within the deeper mind. Physical appearances and surface and instinctual activities are much the same. So what's the big difference before and after? It's forgetting in deep mind. Uh, deep mind forgetting. <clears throat> Why the great light of, uh, you know, <laughs> the great light of I am you may uh, get out of the forgetting. doesn't mean you'll have perfect physical health. 
It doesn't mean perfect relationship. doesn't mean meeting your soulmate. doesn't mean having money. doesn't mean uh, liking certain things even better. There may be, you know, preferences remain. Uh, but <clears throat> one may go out of metaphysical forgetting very significantly, as much as one can. <laughs> I mean, I'm not at the end of that, but I know that um, certain metaphysical questions can truly be answered, and one is really clear. <laughs> anyway, even though other distortions may remain, <laughs> as I, I can tell you. And so, <clears throat> yeah, the body age then too, um, and it's not about the significator, we're just talking about bodies, 3D space-time body. Um, 3D space-time death or death is a removal from third density incarnation of the mind-body-spirit complex. So you can tell your grieving relatives, don't worry, it's just removal from third density incarnation of the mind-body-spirit complex. And then hurt somebody, and that's called wrong speech. So I don't recommend that. But you can just see that <laughs> translating Ra's language into our everyday understanding is difficult, and then communicating that to others who've not read this is even more difficult. Uh, but the veiling is a forgetting in the deeper mind, and the, f the body may not have been much different, and even instinctual activities, to some degree, instincts, which is not all preferential. It's not conscious preferencing necessarily, but the instincts of relationship or sexuality or food or sleep, things like that, were much the same. 105.20, and I'm definitely going to end this session today. Don continues, Then I was wondering the root reason for the change in appearance that we see as the aging process, meaning what's going on with this aging and body change. I am trying to uncover a basic philosophical premise here that I may, I may be shooting in the dark at and not, or not questioning on correctly, but I'm trying to get at the reason behind the design of this change in appearance meaning why does body age in appearance, when it seems to me that it was just as possible for the mind-body-spirit or mind-body-spirit complex just to simply look the same throughout an incarnation, could Ra explain the reason for this change? <clears throat> and yes, you can say that it could have been planned that a body uh, doesn't visibly age, but um, internally ages beings have a lifespan and don't appear aged either before or after the veil but just die at a certain point that could have been yes and so this is a sort of very a subtle question and could Ra explain the reason for this change meaning the visual change of aging uh, the appearance of visual the visual appearance of aging I think is the change he means Ross said, when the discipline of the personality has led the mind-body-spirit complex, meaning veiled beingness, into the fifth and especially sixth level of study, means chakras, it is no longer necessary, or dimensions, no longer necessary to build destruction of the physical vehicle into its design. For the spirit complex is so experienced as a shuttle that it is aware when the appropriate degree of intensity of learning and increment of lesson has been achieved, within third density, so we're talking about the difference between fifth and sixth density, so-called aging or destruction of physical vehicle versus aging and destruction of physical vehicle in third. Within third density, not to build into the physical vehicle its ending, meaning the aging visibility, 
would be counterproductive to the mind-body-spirit complexes therein residing in 3D. For within the illusion, 3D, it seems more lovely to be within the illusion than to drop the garment which has carried the mind-body-spirit complex and move on. <clears throat> Meaning, within the veiled condition, you see there's 3D as illusion, and there's veiled beings in 3D with further illusion. And so, one term Buddhists, some Buddhists use for awakening is awaking within the dream. 3D itself is dreamlike <clears throat> because of the inbuilt um, perceptual um, key, keying, the, the, the five physical senses keying, or the keyed vibratory sensitivity range of the five physical senses, being physical only, <laughs> right? Touch, taste, smell, sight, hearing, vibratory sensitivities to physical frequencies, whatever that means, wavelengths of light uh, or intelligent energy associated with 3D space-time only. <clears throat> that is um, 3D as illusion. Then there's a veiling in the mind, which is a deep forgetting, which is a further awake, a further veiling or, or illusion. And that dropping, you know, ending the deep forgetting or deep mind remembering, ending the veil more or less, is waking up within the continued incarnation in 3D, which is still dreamlike or illusory because of the physical perceptual uh, limitations or the limits of the physical senses or these physical senses being our main primary our primary um, you know perceptual means <laughs> awareness of body and seeing and and hearing particularly is the so-called anchoring in 3d space-time body that apparent anchoring or the experience of mind of that apparent anchoring is the dream that one can then wake up within to the degree one has deep mind remembrance rather than deep mind forgetting. And that's, you know, waking in the dream so-called, I think. But <clears throat> within the illusion, or within 3D itself, there is a sense that it's more lovely to stay here than leave. And you can say that the logoic purpose for the visual appearance of aging in 3D space-time, veil or no veil, is so beings actually face the ending of what's lovely. <laughs> to work with the catalyst of the lovely continuance or lovely conditions of youth and beauty um, being lost. The incarnational um, existential inevitability of aging in this dimension being a plan of the Logos, yes, that uh, aging appears on the body as losing a certain loveliness of youth and beauty. Yeah, aging getting wrinkled and nat natty uh, is um, of Logoic design, yes, so that beings deal with the catalyst of losing what's lovely and face the catalyst of having to accept or having to deal with. You don't have to accept. You can fight, fight, fight. But uh, dealing with the catalyst that we're going to have to leave this lovely. Not only is the lovely becoming, is the lovely is degrading. The beauty of youth, the beauty and um, 
radiance of youth degrades and one's body becomes decrepit. That loveliness of youth is lost and the loveliness of remaining in the illusion overall is lost as there's old age to death. It's that that's the plan of the logos so that beings deal with that catalyst in a polarized way <laughs> by acceptance or control. And that's the two ways of the two paths. And by acceptance one develops love, wisdom, balance. By control or trying to struggle against it, um, one blocks chakras uh, two, three, four particularly. And um, fights, fight, fight with five and six with a heavy uh, psychopathology and blocked lower chakras. That's the negative way. And so it's just inbuilt that the lovely degrades and is inevitably lost. And that's the experience of joy and sorrow. It's meant to be this way. The question is, how are we going to deal with it? And how well do we deal with it? So, 105.21, getting close to the end. Don says, I see, then, that it is, shall we say, when a when an individual reaches a very old age, then it becomes apparent to him in third density that he's worn out. Maybe he's feeling that. Therefore, he's not attached to this vehicle as firmly with a desire to stay in it as he would be with a good-looking, well-functioning one. Now, now, after the veil, the body is definitely an atanor for the mind, which is... Um, I'll explain that. By what, or did the body, or prior to the veiling, did the body serve as an atanor for the mind at all? Ross says yes, <laughs> and it's the end of the time here. They need to get going. Ross said, you may ask one more full query. And so, atanor is uh, from the Arabic, al-tanur, al-tanur, which means um, a bread oven. So the body is a bread oven for transformation of the seven rays done by mind, with the help of spirit. And um, Wikipedia says, an atanor is a furnace used to provide a uniform and constant heat for alchemical digestion, or alchemical transformation. Etymologically, it descends from a number of Arabic texts of the period of the Caliphate, which used the term altanur in talismanic alchemy, which is about developing the seven chakras, not uh, summoning summoning entities, meaning a bread oven from which the design portrayed. And, and if you see a tandoori, tandoori oven, right? Tandoori chicken, tandoor oven, related to tanor. A tanor, al tanor, uh, comes from or relates to the Sanskrit or I guess, you know, Hindu Sanskrit, tandoor. Tandoor, tanor, same. It means a clay oven for bread or... Uh, Tandoori chicken, <clears throat> or you, <laughs> or transformation of the seven rays. And so the body is definitely an atanor for the mind, it's really deep. And so physical incarnation, as it is, you know, with um, beauty and radiant youth at the beginning, and uh, decrepit degeneration and illness and sickness and death at the end, yep, made that way, uh, as an atanor for the mind as a furnace, as a um, as a sealed vessel or a place of transformation, as a, a locus, L-O-C-U-S, a locus for transformation of beingness, of mind-spirit particularly. 
it's not body that needs to be saved. Save your mind, your ass will follow, as one great teacher said. And so, uh, <coughs> basically, um, this whole drama, <laughs> this circus drama, whatever you want to call it, the tragic comic tragedy, alternating tragedy and comedy of 3D humanity, a tragic comedy, a comedic tragedy, um, <laughs> also called a shit show. Um, but, you know, with open heart, one feels a little different. Shit show comes from mind over love or wisdom saying, oh my God. And uh, when the heart is a little stronger, there's um, it's sort of poignancy. I mean, we when you're really in your heart, you're going to miss being here, I guarantee you. You're really going to miss being with the people. And um, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> when you're here, we don't want to be here. And when we're gone, we'll want to be at least closer to the people again but that whole experience is an atanor for mind to run seven ray uh, seven dimensional self when vehicles transformation um, and that was the same before the veil uh, so this whole drama of third density is as it should be and yes, indeed, uh, the Logos could have made it that the body didn't visibly age or age. It would simply be, you know, somebody would say they would remain, you know, radiant, youthful from start to finish. And in certain, cre in certain dimensions, or there is something like that, and in fifth and sixth density, there isn't an inbuilt destruction of the physical, as Ross said. And so... Um, and why, you know, so the so conditions of fifth and sixth density are akin to conditions or dynamics for a person here who's working on the adept path and significantly working in fifth and sixth chakra, not just three, four, or one, two, three, or two, three, four. When we're working more in four, five, six, and then five, six, um, the body ages more slowly. Um, our relationship to embodiment obviously changes and um, the uh, view of death is quite different obviously so death is not uh, an enemy anymore for sure it never really was <laughs> but um, it's built th this 3d experience is built the way it is actually 10522 the last exchange of session 105 and um, yes, I feel a little sad leaving the raw material too. Uh, <clears throat> Don says, I believe that I should ask at this time, is there anything that we can do to make the instrument more comfortable or improve the contact? Since last session, I wasn't able to get that in, and I think it's important. He's really not so well here. And um, everybody feels it's at the end. You know, whether they know it consciously or not, Everybody knows, Don knows, Carla knows, Ra knows, it's at the end. That's what I think. Ra said, we find the weariness of the group well balanced by its harmony. That weariness shall continue in any future circumstance during your incarnations. Therefore, look you to the love and thanksgiving for each other, and join always in fellowship, correcting each broken strand of that affection, with patience, comfort, and quietness. We find all meticulously observed in the alignments and give you these words only as reminder. 
all that can be done for the instrument seems done with an whole heart and the instrument itself is working in the indigo ray with perseverance. We have previously mentioned some temporary measures for the instrument. If these are adopted, additional liquids shall be imbibed by the instrument and by the questioner, whose bond with the instrument is such that each difficulty for one is the same in sympathy for the other. I am Ra. I leave you rejoicing merrily in the love and the light, the power and the peace of the one infinite creator, Adonai. And uh, we are right at the cusp of the end. Two more sessions, two more classes, two more sessions of our class reading session 106. And um, <clears throat> interestingly, this is kind of a case also where the group is less distorted than they think they are. <laughs> they are in weariness. And Don's questioning seems to be a little disturbed and um, his mind not so settled and clear and quiet and peaceful and well. Yet, the group harmony is great. You know, and so... <clears throat> we can experience distortions but not realize how um, we can mistake a certain body-mind condition for highly high distortedness or highly distorted but it isn't meaning they were tired the session the future is 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 living today of course the future lives in the present of course and the more fully awakened the being, the more fully the future lives into the present, of course. And so the future that they had one more session to go, and they would be over, and Don's life would be over, was very well alive at the time of 105. And <clears throat> um, this is, you know, they're preparing for the end of the rock contact, whether they know it or not. They're preparing for Don's death, whether he knew it or not, which he didn't. Consciously, they didn't know. But I would say, in the deep mind, obviously it was well known. Don was soon to die. The rock contact was soon to end. Carla and Jim's life was soon to change drastically. Uh, she was soon to go into a period of mourning. Um, everything was about to change. Ra knew that. They knew that. Rob consciously knew it, perhaps, quite fully. I don't know. They didn't know it consciously at all. But the deep mind knew it fully. And it echoed in the conscious mind or um, was seeping through and coloring, obviously, the mind. <clears throat> yet, <clears throat> yet, the main problem Ra's saying here is weariness. <clears throat> and um, their harmony was still great. Carla was working in Indigo Ray strongly. Not problem, very good. She had returned to that um, clarity and great balance. And... Um, awareness of unity more and more uh, and so <clears throat> what happens when um, when there's weariness or a certain condition of exhaustion it's basically existential <clears throat> fatigue <clears throat> spiritual fatigue um, what can be done well that can't be changed the weariness would continue <clears throat> my uh, cough continues it's just a little bit of phlegm the weariness continues, it can't be stopped, it seems they were saying. And what then? Well, there's um, the virtue of community, their community, or being with those we care about, 
or those who care about us, and <clears throat> how to be together. Well, uh, Ross said, join always in fellowship, correcting each broken strand of that affection. So, good heart, affection, caring. How? Patience, comfort, quietness. Quietness. Being together quietly. You don't need to yak, 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 you know. You don't need to show off. We don't need to fill the space. If the space is of love or caring and affection, it doesn't need to be filled always with words. <clears throat> and so, quietly, quiet communion, quietly being together, is a whole lot higher and stronger than uh, yak-yaking together. We find all meticulously observed in alignments. <clears throat> and so, um, their alignments were great, and yet they were not well. <laughs> and meaning, they're consciously, they were very unwell, physically, Carla, Don, mentally. I mean, they were very, it was a very difficult time. Yet, the alignments were meticulously observed. And so, the higher is well-ordered, but the lower or the mind, emotion, the physical, emotional, mental were not well. <clears throat> and that's not, that happens sometimes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of guidance given here, but the end was in sight, and it's kind of bitter for all of us. <laughs> and this Gra group has been going on four and a half years, nearly five. Um, and, um, you know, it's a big piece of work. And, um, I'm glad to be part of this. Next time, 106, uh, five months later, March 1984, the final session of the Law of One, the book, the raw material. It's uh, also about 23 exchanges. Also was all put into book five. Much commentary at the beginning from Jim and Carla. Very long commentary from Carla, because this is it. This is the last raw session of Dialogue with Ra. After two more of our classes covering session 106, we'll do the epilogue. <clears throat> that epilogue will, was written by uh, Jim and Carla, and that is it. And that will be... So we have three more classes to do one more session in two parts and the epilogue. So... Thank you for being here. Um, it's been a great journey. <laughs> anyway, we have a little bit more to go. <clears throat> Please take good care of yourselves. <clears throat> See you next time, and good night.